This episode of Priority One Podcast is sponsored in part by Geek Nation Tours for helping us provide live coverage of the 2015 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. This episode is also brought to you by Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Admirals, you're listening to episode 240 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded live on Thursday, September 17th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, September 21st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Mark. And in the recording studio is our audio engineer, Winters. Mark, why don't you tell us what's coming up in this episode? This week, we're talking to John Champion and Ken Ray from Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. In Star Trek Online News, we're reviewing the new featured episode Midnight and taking a first look at Spoils of War and Through the Looking Glass, the new episodes in the revamped Cardassian story arc. And as always, before we wrap things up, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Speaking of hailing frequencies, it's great to receive all your messages. So chat with us during our live stream on Thursday nights at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live or answer our community questions. You can comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Join the discussion on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Priority One or follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One. Did you know that this podcast isn't all we've been up to? Make sure to keep your eye on PriorityOnePodcast.com for the latest in Trek-themed news and reviews and Star Trek online videos made specially by our team. And exclusively on our Facebook page, every month we'll be publishing a new comic following the adventures of the USS Prioritas. Head to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and check it out. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, old and new, that make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And now, let's tune into Mission Log with John Champion and Ken Ray and our very own Eliza. John, what places? I don't know. Then let's track it out. All right, everybody, and joining me here at Star Trek Las Vegas, the 2015 convention, is Ken Ray and John Champion of Mission Log Podcast. I'm John Champion. I'm Ken Ray. Gentlemen, how are you this year? Tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Beat. Good but beat. Yeah. Good yes. and beat. Yeah. Good and beat. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, the, the thing about coming to this show is that I look forward to it, all, and I know Ken does too, I look forward to it all year long, and I'm excited about seeing friends and doing fun things, and then 
almost immediately by the end of day one, I'm feeling exhausted and like I haven't been able to really connect with my friends and all. So it, it's, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. How about you? How, how is it for you? I power through. You what? I power through. I, I was, somebody was, was giving me grief the other day because I said that I was very tired. And they said, well, what were you doing? And I said, oh, I was up all night praying. And he said, praying? And I made a motion like I had been drinking because that's actually what I had been doing. And the guy's like, the guy's like, so it's your fault then? I was like, whoa, 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 who said fault? Look, I'm having a great time. I sleep 51 weeks a year. So Saving up for this. No, I'm not saving up for this, but I'm okay if, you know, if I don't get sleep this week, it's all right because there'll be plenty of time for that later. Dude, you're a madman. I, you know. Yeah. I come alive one week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Seriously, I come alive one week, and this is that week. So for our new listeners that may not be familiar with Mission Log Podcast, why don't you give us a brief overview of, of what an average episode is like? Well, Mission Log was set up to watch every episode of Star Trek to figure out what the messages, morals, and meanings of the episode are and whether or not the whole thing holds up today. For every, well, with the exception of the animated series and the movies, we basically got the same format, which is informal open, going into a bit of trivia. It's not a trivia show, but there was some interesting trivia that John tends to hunt up and, and bring to people, which is interesting. We recap the show in case people haven't seen it or in case they haven't seen it in a while or to sort of give an indication of the kinds of things that we're going to be addressing. Then there's a little, a tiny bit of riffing. I mean, sometimes it's just observations that don't have to do with messages or morals or things like that, but there are things that might be interesting or there are things that might be funny, we hope. Uh, then we have a, a pretty meaty discussion about whatever topics are raised, even if they weren't the topics that were meant to be raised. A huge example is when we did Mud's Planet. Mud's M- Women or iMud? iMud. Um, iMud. Sorry, when we did when we did iMud, but it was Planet Mud, I think he called right, it or something. Right. We ended up having a huge discussion about sexism during that episode, and a lot of people thought that I was you know, obsessed with sexism. I think it was just there, but most people got angry and said, well, that's not what the episode's about. You should just have fun with it. But, I mean, there was this thing. It wasn't a point of the show, certainly, but it felt like something that had to be addressed. And then we come back in the fourth segment, I guess, and try to figure out where the epi- whether the episode itself holds up. John pays a bit more attention to whether it holds up as a production. I think it's because he's more of a film guy, mm-hmm. and so those things kind of get under his skin. I'm trying to decide if the messages and morals hold up, and if there's particularly good acting... Even if the music sucks, I don't care because <laughs> the music sucks. It's the 80s. I mean, sometimes you get great soundtracks for an episode, and other times you get a guy with a Casio. Yeah. And it doesn't change, you know, how Patrick Stewart did or how Jonathan Frakes did or how the how the actual messages went. So, And then that would pretty much wrap it up. Oh, and also we have a very witty computer that says very witty things. All Hilarious the computer. Hilarious computer. Mind of her own. Hilarious <laughs> computer. Hilarious. Um, The thing about our show is that, you know, we owe it all to Rod Roddenberry. He's the one who came up with the idea, who came up with generally the format. The three of us worked together to really hammer out what that would be. But he had just created and finally finished uh, a documentary about his father. Who is Gene Roddenberry the man? What made him tick? And then he said, you know, I haven't really done the same thing with Star Trek. I haven't figured out why people tell me it's important, why people apply so much importance to uh, the philosophy and, and, and the thoughts that were in the show. What is the heart of the show? So can you guys help me do that? And Rod's been really cool about it. He watches an episode along with us, you know, the week before we record. Very often he's there on the phone while we're recording. 
Uh, he'll send his notes and his thoughts about a show. But we're really there because of him. We're really there because Rod said, I need to figure out what this is. If my father was spilling out his sort of internal philosophies on the page, I want to know what's it, what is the meat of it, what is at the heart of it, and why, and, and if it does, you know, why does it hold up today? Why does it inspire people? Why do people come to him and say, this show impacted my life? Because he's heard that all his life. And he didn't really grow up with Star Trek. So how's the last year been for Mission Log? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been well, great. you heard We're it actually, there first. No, it's really cool. We're in sort of an interesting place with Mission Log. We, it was this show last year was when we first got into Next Gen. Mm-hmm. And unlike the original series, where it starts off really strong, and then by year three, it's like, you know, you're hitting pothole after pothole after pothole. It's sort of like, okay, they started on that pothole road with Next Gen, and slowly it's been getting smoother and smoother and smoother and now we're coming into season three and it is so incredibly exciting i mean the writing is just hitting an amazing stride the actors know their characters now i mean you can tell they actually they're getting comfortable with each other the characters are getting comfortable with each other we're entering a a really great time i think for the show and we've also been fortunate enough to get some really great interviews. Yeah, talk to, talk uh, to me about thing. those. Who have yeah. You been, uh... yeah, I mean, Rod, of course, is a big help in kind of uh, arranging a lot of that stuff and kicking us back into gear to really focus on that. A highlight for me was Will Wheaton, for sure. Marina Sirtis was fantastic. Yep. George Takei, you kind of wind him up and let him go, and he just talks, you know. And we have some more coming up that I can't get into now but stay tuned we have a lot more in store for our listeners that's one of the great things about being in this period with next generation there's still a lot of those people around who are delightful and ready and willing to talk and hopefully we'll have back more than once if we're lucky right absolutely that's exciting that's super exciting and so, uh, for over this next year, so more interviews, of course, more reviews of, uh, of the episodes of, of TNG. What, in, in reviewing The Next Generation, what nuggets of information have you found and come across that you know, like stick out in your mind? We were talking about something earlier today before we do our panel. As we record with you, we're, what, an hour, a little more than an hour away from our panel. And we were talking about, okay, what topics do we want to cover? And Ken was asking me about, rhetorically, but about um, the differences between the original series and Next Generation. And I said, you know, I feel like the first two seasons, for good or for ill, are really in lockstep with the original series. Not necessarily in point of view all the time, but it's the old guard. It's Gene, it's DC Fontana, it's David Gerald, it's Bob Justman. And the mindset is very much the original series. Sure, you got a new ship. Sure, you got new characters. But the kind of storytelling feels like storytelling from the 1960s. Now here we are in third season, and it's Michael Piller, and it's Ron Moore, and it's more of Rick Berman, and it's less of Gene Roddenberry. And it feels different. Now it feel, Now a lot of the topics are similar, and you kind of go back to the well for those classic Star Trek tropes, but it's a new kind of telling those stories. So to me, that's been the biggest 
kind of seismic change in the way that show feels. Um, there's a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes trivia, a lot of people coming and going, people getting fired and coming back, and that, that's always interesting background. But the, the thought behind the show feels very different now to me. It also feels like something that we were talking about is, okay, so what are the commonalities between the two? And again, you've got a ship, you've got a crew, you've got a captain, you've got a doctor, you've got some things that are sort of common. It's interesting to watch the characters start to grow. You know what I was talking about a moment ago about how the actors are getting more familiar with each other? It really wasn't until the motion picture that we started to get growth out of those characters, uh, especially Spock and, and, and Kirk. I mean, they were archetypes, or they were, they were standard characters on a TV show. Motion picture, Spock comes back half gone because he's decided he wants to be human, or not be human at all, but then there's something else that's still drawing him. We see a huge arc with Kirk. We see a huge arc with Spock. I mean, heck, he dies and comes back to life. They're really the ones that mostly get any sort of change, but it really is neat to be... We're now again approaching storytelling where you can tell we're starting to see that. I mean, then there are things like... When we talked to Marina Sirtis uh, recently, she said that the, the writers weren't writing the romance between her and Riker at that point. It was just that they knew that they had that to play with, that they had the looks, that they were playing back and forth with each other. You've got... I don't want to say it's more of a playfulness, but you've got more of a mind or more of an eye toward the fact that this stuff is going to be around. And they're actually trying to grow it as opposed to every week. This character is exactly the same as he was last week, never mind what happened last week. We're always going to start from this sort of baseline. Um, so that's that's a really sort of a, a fun thing to see. It's not really a message, like you say, but it's a, it's been one of the most uh, exciting things to watch, honestly. So far, my favorite discovered document from the Next Gen era is the letter from Patrick Stewart to Gene Roddenberry. And, and if you haven't checked it out, if your listeners haven't checked it out, go to missionlogpodcast.com, look at the discovered documents. This is a private document that has only just now been made public. And it's Patrick, after a lunch with Gene Roddenberry, at the beginning of season two, saying, here's what we've done so far. Here's what I would like to see happen with Picard. And he's really mapping out what we learn of that character over later season two, season three, and beyond. And to Ken's point about uh, Riker and Troy developing a romance and playing it that way, that was an actor choice from uh, Patrick Stewart and Gates McFadden in season one to say, look, it may or may not be on the page, but we are playing it as if there is at least some mild flirtation there. What do we do with this? So it's interesting to see how the actors have influenced the show beyond just what the writers and producers and directors actually put on the page. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for stopping by and talking with, uh, with me and our listeners about Mission Log Podcast, of course. Why don't you tell everybody again how they can follow Twitter, Facebook, and the website? Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. The handle is Mission Log Pod. For people who want to call in and uh, give their input on the show, the number is 323-522-5641. And number again, 323-522-5641. And, of course, we do have a lovely website we would love for you to check out. That is missionlogpodcast.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of the convention, although there are only a few hours left. No, say it ain't so. I know, right? (laughs) Safe travels home. Thank you. You too, man. Always a pleasure. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. It's with a sigh of relief that we can finally say the Iconian War is over. 
The new featured episode, Midnight, was released last week. The Iconians and their influence have been part of Star Trek Online lore since launch, all leading up to this, the finale. As always, brace for impact. Spoilers incoming. We start this episode where the last one left off. We are still under attack by the Iconians, but our game changer, the Time Ship, has proved to be disappointingly unfit for purpose, so we've gone back to the drawing board and repurposed it to create a temporal portal instead, knowing that the Iconians can't follow us back in time. We will go back to Iconia, to where they were initially attacked, and ensure that none of them survived to carry on the war in our own time. We join the battle in orbit around Earth, where a colossal Iconian attack has left Earth's space dock in ruins and the very epicentre of Starfleet reeling. Our first job, fend off the Iconian ships as they relentlessly attack the space dock. As we continue to try and hold back the Iconian forces, help arrives from an unlikely ally, Empress Sela and a fleet of Dominion ships. The time ship prepares to create its time portal. We must defend it from the Iconian ships as it powers up, and just as things are looking desperate, we dash through the portal with Kagrin and Sela, leaving the Alliance Armada behind to continue the defence. The time portal gets us to where we want to go, but just. As we made our final dash, the Iconians fired on the portal, making it unstable, and separating us and Sela from Kagrin. We press ahead and beam down to the surface of Iconia, 200,000 years before the present day. Iconia is a sight to behold. The pinnacle of society and technology, it's a devastatingly beautiful and peaceful planet, and it's hard to believe that these are the same Iconians that have been our adversaries for years. They welcome us as visitors and invite us to explore the first city. It's at this point that we meet up again with Kagrin, who made it through the portal two weeks ago, and who's had time to explore and get to know the city. We take our time meeting the Iconians, now corporeal beings, and the Heralds, and learning about their history and how they interacted with the other civilizations of the time. Sadly, time is not on our side, and our exploration is cut short as the attack on Iconia begins. The Iconians beg for our help in protecting the World Heart, their archive of everything that they are. We agree to help, with Sela in our ears reminding us that we must not let a single Iconian live. Kogren, however, is uncharacteristically opposed to violence, saying there is no honour in killing a defenceless people. We are successful in our mission to protect the World Heart and help some of the Iconians escape, using one of their portals, but at the last minute, Sela is overcome with rage and starts firing on the surviving Iconians, claiming revenge for Romulus. Too late, she realises that it's this very act of betrayal that starts the Iconians on their vengeful path, that it is in fact us who are the others, and that ultimately it's her fault that Romulus was destroyed. As the last of the Iconians escape into the portal, we do the only thing we can, retrieve the World Heart where the Iconians dropped it and beam back to our ship. We reopen the portal and return to our own time and hail Romerin with the news that we are in possession of the World Heart. Once she realises what's happened, she puts an end to the Iconian attacks. We negotiate a hasty peace and with that, the Iconian War is finished. But something tells me it's not the last we'll hear from them. The end. Right. So, midnight. First impressions. Mark? Oh, I loved it. It's easily the best bit of Star Trek storytelling that I've seen in the game. Just the way they turn it at the end, it's just like, this needs to be like a TV episode or something. 
I have to agree with you on that. I think this is the best one in the series, and it was just, it was so Star Trek. And, you know, from an emotional point of view, you really, really want everything to just work out and be sunshine and roses and perfect, and you know it can't be. And so it is heart-wrenching at the end, I agree. So, um, Sela basically caused the entire war. Yeah. And she just kind of walks away, doesn't she? Into the arms of the waiting Starfleet security. Well, no, nothing really happened to her, did it? No, it, it kind of should. Yeah, and I wonder if we will see something in future story content. What do you guys think? I think we probably will. They're probably not finished with the character yet. Mm. So probably yeah. will be some more. I don't know if it'll be season 11, but well, time will tell. Yeah, break from the character in return, or possibly a new diplomacy mission. You're the judge or the defender for Sila in her trial in some sort of alliance lawsuit. Yeah, that could be good. That does kind of lead into the question, what do you think should happen to her? I mean, in terms of Star Trek lore, Star Trek canon, what would happen to a person who had committed that crime? Or is this one of those crimes that you can't prosecute? I think there'd have to be something. There would have to be some kind of repercussion. I mean, it's still Starfleet, it's still Trek. You know, they're not actions without consequences of some form. I mean, it might be, and I'm going to quote Jason this from the chat, she's in a relationship with the Dominion now. Last minute beam out. For some reason, I'm thinking back on uh, Deep Space Nine and comparing her to Golda Koss, because he would have been the big bad guy there. And I'm trying to th- remember what happened to him. He went crazy and fell into a fire. Yeah, that's right. Himself and Cisco had that great big battle, and that was the end of Golda Koss, wasn't it? It's funny because we have Mission Log on this week's episode and it was only a handful of episodes back that, and I cannot remember the name of the episode, I'm sorry, I feel like a bad Trek fan, but there is an episode in season three of The Next Generation where there is a sort of omnipotent type being who's responsible for eliminating an entire species of alien. And the Enterprise sort of discovers what's happened and in the end they just let him go. Because basically there was no judgment that they could put on a being like that who had just literally eliminated an entire species. There was no judgment that fit that crime, so he just left. Does that apply here? How do you prosecute somebody for what's effectively an angry mistake that has ended up causing the lives of literally millions of people? I think the way we've got the story in game, if not Starfleet, certainly the Romulan Republic would want something to answer for. Yeah. You know, they have their own faction up and running. If not, as something would be done there. Just what I can't actually yeah. figure up a coherent answer for right now. Yeah, she could be brought to trial for, you know, things that she done when the Romulan Star Empire was in existence, but maybe not so much for the Iconian War. I'm sure she's got plenty on her rap sheet for things (laughs) that have nothing to do with the Iconian War. So, I don't know, maybe we'll see some of that. I mean, I do like the fact that they left some things open at the end of this. So with Tiket poofing off, Mm. Sela kind of carrying on, that was left very open-ended. So we've got a lot of potential for future story content there. I like that. Well, with Takesh, that must have been done just as a reason to keep the cues and stuff like that in-game. You know, it's Takesh that we're battling now. Yeah, and I think the devs actually said that on Twitter, that that was the reason that Takesh stayed a bit angry and then poofed off, was to keep the cues in, because otherwise it wouldn't have made sense. But in addition to that, they've left it open-ended, basically. Yeah, I just kind of had a little thought there, kind of going back a bit. 
can you actually charge someone for a predestination paradox? Well, see, this is it, because in her mind, when she committed that quote-unquote crime, she was actually just attempting to carry out the mission that we were assigned with, which was to kill all the Iconians and make sure none of them survived. So in her defense, she was only following orders, which I know is a very bad defense. (laughs) But had we not split from what our mission was and decided to do our own thing and defend them, we would have been doing exactly the same thing. Just to go back to Mark's point there, can you be charged for a predestination paradox? You can. Do you guys remember the episode of Voyager when Seven of Nine had to be brought back in time and Voyager was going to be sabotaged and it turned out to be the captain from... Yeah. Do you remember that episode? Yes, 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 yes. at the very end, we, we find out it's him and his second officer then places him under arrest. He's like, I've done nothing. He goes, yeah, but you're gonna. <laughs> ah. Take him to the break. Ah. So... Okay, there's precedence for it, but that is a very woolly area. Can you then be prosecuted for something that you're going to do? It's a very grey area. Yes, and we're opening up a whole other show with that one alone. Yeah, I know. (laughs) This could be a good segue into a whole other show. Yes, it could be. And to the next part, swiftly moving on. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of the things that happened that are probably going to lead into future content. Obviously, we've already talked about Tuket and Sela. So... The two Tyrians were conspicuously absent from this episode, especially after the last one, where they were so conspicuously in the foreground with the Noi and Clouda storyline. Now, I know that there's a very popular fan theory that the two Tyrians are actually the sphere builders and may actually end up in season 11. Do we think that that... I mean, well, it's got to be resolved at some point, hasn't it? Oh, obviously. Kind of almost links itself to being a logical progression. Yeah. And do you think that we, as the centre of this story, do you think we know about them by now? Do you think they've got that far in the shielded data core? Mm. No, I think it's just all going to be, like you said, fan speculation. Mm. But it would be nice. You know, it ties into existing Trek, into what we're doing, and it's almost like a full circle story, mm. you know, Trek just within Trek. Yeah. I think that we're probably not going to see them until next year, I think. And that's based off stuff that we've heard from the devs, that yeah. there's going to be stuff next year that's going to happen, and we're going to think back to that particular episode and go, oh, but we already think that it's going to be the Sphere Builders. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. It'll probably be something that's, In 2016, and probably not the stuff that's coming up straight away, that seems to be really focused around the mirror incursion, etc, etc. So I think I'm with you on that one. And my question is, do we think they're going to give us Iconia to go and explore? I really want them to. I hope at least in the Foundry. At least in the Foundry there has to be something, because... Well, we do have Iconia. We've got a couple of Foundry maps added. Yeah, that was added in the last patch. Oh. But... I remember the first time I landed on New Romulus, which I know is ancient history by now, but New Romulus is just beautiful. And as far as social zones go, I enjoy spending time there because it's nice to look at. And having been through the Iconia map in the mission, I would really love to see that as a social zone or something that I can explore and do a bit more with rather than just rerunning Midnight over and over again, which I would be quite happy to do. But could get a bit samey after a while. Yeah, I mean, I would love it. I just keep thinking, where's the story aspect going to come from going back there? Mm. You know, it's kind of, you're saying replay the mission, so 
Yeah. Do we go back further in time and see them and say, hi, you're here. <laughs> yeah. Your friendly neighborhood time-traveling aliens. Well, they did seem really nice. They said that time travel is going to be something that we're going to have to deal with. In the future, all the factions are going to have time travel. So could we potentially go back in time to Iconia and that's where the map will come into play? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that, actually. That's something that I'm quite interested in seeing how they are going to implement. Because they did actually say that all three factions would have access to time travel and we were all going to have to deal with it. So I want to know what kind of mechanic that that's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll get more details, I'm sure, in the next month or so. But yeah, looking forward to that. Overall, for the episode, how would you rate it? Winters, why don't you start? I'll give it... Eight Earth defense platforms out of nine. Yeah, I would give it like a nine and a half out of ten. Creeping on the ten. It was just absolutely excellent. I'm going to give it five floaty shoulder orbs out of five, which is, by the way, a perfect score, because it was everything I wanted, and that's all. The Season 11 updates continued this week with a blog on the changes to the Cardassian story arc with news on two new episodes in one week. Spoils of War and Through the Looking Glass both received news posts. In Spoils of War, we will receive intelligence that the True Way has stolen the Orb of Prophets from the Cardassian Union and Commander Sarish Mina of Deep Space Nine is asking for our help. The Cardassian Union, in exchange for our help in recovering the Orb, has agreed to allow its return to Bajor where it belongs. And through the Licking Glass, we will get a chance to visit Bajor in two different universes in an attempt to return the orb and cripple the alliance between the True Way and the Terran Empire. The episode features a brand new Mirror Bajor environment and apparently is a must-see. These will be the first two episodes in the updated Cardassian arc and over the next few weeks we'll be finding out about four new episodes in total. These will be replacing the Cardassian Struggle episodes from Badlands through to Cage of Fire. Second Wave, however, will remain unchanged. The missions will be from level 35 and launched at the release of Season 11. Make sure you open your journal to access them. So that brings us to this week's community question. What would you most like to see in the Cardassian Arc revamp? And what are your predictions about how they will lead us into Season 11? So on to patch notes for this week. Pretty much all of the patches this week were for relevant issues that players are currently experiencing, so I'll just take us through them. There were several issues in the featured episode Midnight. They resolved an issue where leaving the mission from a couple of different maps and then re-entering that mission would send the player back to the wrong location, so it would send you to the Iconian bridge map instead of Soul System. It resolved an issue where KDF players could attack Starfleet personnel during the episode and vice versa, which we really want us to be working as an alliance, not against each other, really. There was another issue where Lemirin would disappear towards the ends of the events on Ancient Iconia, which obviously would hamper some progress. And then also there were some additional rewards to the featured episode. So there is a Meridian head attached tech costume part for females that goes with the Iconian vest and there was an issue causing missing armpits for females when wearing Iconian vests which we had a great deal of fun looking at the other day you could see right through your chest (laughs) but it wasn't ideal There are some changes as well to the event reputation. The store button will now always be available, which means that you can get your account-wide reclaim of event ships even when there's not an event on. 
The tabs for the winter and summer event stores, of course, will remain locked behind their respective event tutorial projects, which means that you'll only be able to access those stores during the summer and winter events. There was also an issue that was causing weekly buffs in the fleet research labs to only last about one day when the project was completed and they should have been lasting for a week. That has now been resolved. And there were some nice additions to the foundry, some more Iconian assets, including two new maps. And they've also added dogs, kittens and caracals as NPC contacts. As always, we'll leave the link to this week's patch notes in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO240. In other news, an impromptu and unsponsored event was happening this week. DDoS attacks. For those of you who don't know, DDoS is a distributed denial of service attack. Basically, an attempt to make a service unusable by overwhelming it with traffic from various sources, thus leading to the connection issues the game has been experiencing over the weekend and during the week. With the bonus weekend rewards not being extended because of it, make sure you get in for featured episode rewards. We won't know if these events will be extended or not because of the attacks. Make sure you don't miss out. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here are the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Thomas Moroni, the Cryptic Cat, has been working on a ton of extra hours on another one of my special projects and finished it last week taking the afternoon off to hashtag treat yourself. Salami Inferno tweeted, just completely filled my second daily work notebook. Hopefully full of things for the future. Mm-hmm. At Laugh and Trendy tweeted, I have named a Jemadar Mr. Tickle Feathers. I should take day... What's that? Is it Dayquil? Dayquil. Dayquil. I should take Dayquil more often. Do you know what Dayquil is? Haven't got a clue. It's a cold medicine, so not. Right. Yeah, it's like day nurse. Yeah, instead of night nurse. Day nurse and night nurse. But not, right. Nyquil's the hardcore stuff. That stuff will knock you out, but Dayquil's pretty bad as well. <laughs> Mister Tickle Feathers. Nice. I promise that's not an edit. That's yeah. <laughs> and lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. This weekend, the twenty fourth through the twenty eighth of September is a bonus XP weekend. The featured episode Midnight runs through the 8th of October and it still looks as if there's a Dilithium weekend planned for the end of October. As always, these events are subject to change without notice. Be sure to keep an eye on the in-game calendar or keep tuning in to Priority One Podcast for the latest updates. That wraps up Star Trek Online news this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? Well, Admirals, we're at that part of the show where we're opening hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community question was, have you played the new featured episode Midnight? If so, what was your favourite part and what was your least favourite part? Hayden Jones writes on PriorityOnePodcast.com Thank you for your service, Jace, and I'm looking forward to getting to know Mark back again. Zero Halo posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com Regarding Midnight, I thought it was a very Trek way to end the war, which is a good thing. My only gripe with it was the conversion of the Krenim timeship into a time travel portal creator. The whole concept of removing something from the time was a really interesting take on the often overused time travel trope. And now that concept is gone. I imagine this was done to help explain New Dawn and how time travel will be available to everyone, but I'm not crazy about it. Now, I agree with this comment, actually. 
I thought it was a little bit of a letdown to move away from that idea of the time ship removing something from the time stream. And I thought it was a little bit of an easy way out. I still liked how the story panned out. Obviously, I thought it was a five out of five, but so I was, I was willing to forgive it. But I, I agree with that comment. I, I would have liked to see them manage to make that episode and not change the, the time ship into that time portal creator thing. Starkicker writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Firstly, a massive LLAP to Jace. As a regular listener, I'm definitely going to miss his balanced and informed insight, and especially his understated humor. Wishing him all the best with the studies. Re-Midnight, I absolutely loved it. It felt like a feature film, especially exciting and eerie, beaming down onto Iconia. The ending really felt like a Star Trek finale, and they did well restoring the values of the Federation. By the way, I hope someone remembered to arrest Sela before beaming out from Starfleet Academy. I am so glad someone had as many of the same points as me. The feature film and Arresting Sela absolutely loved that comment. Marquis commented via Priority One Podcast, Thank you, Jace, for your long service aboard the USS Prioritas. As a long-time listener, I too will miss your input and contributions. Good luck with your studies, and I hope we'll see you in-game now and again. What had me grinning during midnight, Curland here. Overall, I found Midnight enjoyable, though I expect a tougher end-level boss fight, but just fighting off some raiders seemed too easy, especially compared to the tough Herald Ground fight during Blood of the Ancients. Good show as always. Yeah, I understand uh, what he means about the fights in this were not that hard, really. But I don't think it was about the fighting. I don't think this episode was about the fight and the challenge of it. I think it was about the emotion and the story. So again, I'm willing to forgive it. Lieutenant Dan writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com Jace, we had fun while it lasted. I recently listened to most of the podcasts between Delta Rising's release and now, and you are a staple of every episode. You will be missed. In regards to Midnight, my favorite part was getting to see what the Iconians were like before the invasion of Iconia. Also, did anyone else notice that one race of the invaders looked like they may have been ancestors of the Romulans or Vulcans? Great show, guys. I didn't, but I think I'm going to go back and play through it just to see if I can spot this. I am too, I think. Well, each week our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One or shoot an email to incoming at priority one podcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 240 of Priority One Podcast. Before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. What would you most like to see in the Cardassian arc revamp and what are your predictions about how they will lead us into season 11? Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our website, on our Facebook page or with a Twitter reply. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com and stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. 
Thanks to our patrons, we've already hit our monthly running costs. And thanks to Geek Nation Tours, we were able to bring you on-site coverage of the 2015 Star Trek Las Vegas convention from our own table at the convention hall. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim, Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is a logical choice. The Priority One fleet is recruiting, and there's never been a better time to join. If you're interested, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. And now you can become part of our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast for their ongoing, dedicated and consistent contributions over the years, including our executive producers, Elliot and Elijah, our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, with audio assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan and Ismaria DePost. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Neal and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at Towery Designs. That's T-O-W-R-Y designs.deviantart.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To our foundry reviewer, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media for supporting this show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the STO community and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Our first job, relentlessly fin. <laughs> our first job is to relentlessly fight off the Iconians, yes. <laughs> the time ship pre- prepares to. I can't speak tonight. I can never speak <laughs> oh, anyway, dear. but. It's the Copperberg! Yeah. It's the Copperberg. The bubbles, it's all the bubbles. It's the bubbles! Have you got Elijah's <laughs> numtongue, have you? Numtongue! Nan, 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 and separating us from Sela and from Cogren. That's not how you pronounce it, is it? Cogren. 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 How do you pronounce it? Cogren. Release the Kraken. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Iconia is a sight to behold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> <laughs> Oh, horrible, God. horrible people. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I did my first edit. <laughs>
Iconia is a sight to behold. The pineapple of society and technology. <laughs> it's a devastatingly beautiful and peaceful fruit. And it's hard to believe that these are the same fronds that have been our adversaries for years. <laughs> oh, wow. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Let's just do a little inline editing there. <clears throat> I told you to get you back to the bakery. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I can sense a food theme going on. Yeah. Um, this is like a really pivotal thing here. Okay. We reopened the portal and returned to our own time and hail the Mirren. That's like Helen Mirren there. <laughs> <It does say>. <laughs> <laughs> and Helen Mirren. <laughs> and Helen Mirren appears. <laughs> It's a whole nother story. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome, though. <laughs> Get her in. Captain Gecko. Yeah. <laughs> Get her in. Voice acting. Eight Earth Defense Platforms out of nine. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm now struggling to think of an equally as witty scale. <laughs> nope, nothing. Nothing. Um, I'd give it that lithium. <laughs> Give me gelatium. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. Oh, wait. Hang on a second. Oh, no, no. no we got more stuff to do. Yeah, we got more. <laughs> we got less more. The season 11... <laughs> wow. That's a great... Getting off to a great yeah. start there. No, no, no. I'm really good. I'm putting down the bubbles. Winters, you could do that, Vic, if you wanted. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Winters, 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 winters. I just really want to go, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers, sweetie. Wait, wrong IP. Little Doctor Who reference there. Winters, it's you. At Laugh and Trendy. At Laugh and Trendy tweeted. I've been Emergency power winners. <laughs> Feed that catch It's not even in there. <laughs> I know, I'm making stuff up now. He's going off script. Going He's off going script. off script. Wait, there's a script. <laughs> oh. Oh. I wasn't I wasn't putting in that. Oh yeah, we might wanna <laughs> Nice try though, Winters. <laughs> He's timed out. Oh is he? <laughs> yes, timed out. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, He's tried to do it again and uh, leave out the uh, shoot us an email. And I know that I typed that in. Yeah. Nobody's shooting anybody <laughs> with their at handles. That's pretty rude. Yeah. Jay Smith, Scotty more power to winners. I'm so tempted to go. I'm trying. Please do a Scotty quote in chat. Oh, I am. I already am. You just know I'm so much <laughs> on this. I can't change the laws of physics. Have 30 minutes. Just when I start busting in a Mrs. Doubtfire quotes. Because I'm lighting them up. It's actually sad I can do a better Mrs. Doubtfire than I can do Scotty. Bum, 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 bum. I eat wood. Dinner, 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 dinner. It tastes good. Dinner, 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 dinner. No meat. Big feet. I eat wood. Boom, 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 boom. Ow! Well, do you know what? Let's just record the last two bits because yeah. it won't be long. Mm. So I'm starting. 
Yep. Right, in three... Why am I counting down? Should I? I don't know. Why are you counting? Do you want me to count? I can count. I can count. I can... I'll count. Okay. You this is going to be great for them to edit. <laughs> <laughs> the hidden features. <laughs> yeah. We could say whatever Fine. we wanted to. They've been editing now. Our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, when he's here. <laughs> Add. Ooh, Ooh, burn. burn. <laughs>